Are financial projections really that important for pre-seed stage startups? Yes, but the reason why might not be that obvious. Welcome back to another episode of the Launch Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Hare. And if you haven't already, I don't know why, uh, hit that subscribe button uh, so you get notified of all these episodes. And also, leave us a rating review on iTunes. Helps us get the word out about the show. And in exchange, you can go back and listen to all the 200 episodes that we've done up until this point. Um, So today's question is one I actually get pretty often. And there's a lot of mixed feelings about it. So let's just jump right into it. So today's question is, hi, Jake, I'm a pre-seed stage startup founder, no product or revenue yet. And we've been having conversations with investors. Through these conversations, we've been asked to provide financial projections to them, but we're not even sure where to start. How should we estimate costs of something that's so early? It seems like whatever we put together, we're probably going to be wrong. Well, the fact that you already know that you're probably going to be wrong with your financial projections puts you at least a couple steps ahead of a lot of pre-seed stage and even seed or close to series A stage startups that I talk to on a pretty frequent basis. There's this over-anxiety when it comes to creating financial projections for early stage startup founders where they have to, they feel like they have to make them perfect. Um, but if you talk to any financial expert out there, anybody who's worked with startups for a long time, especially in the financial space where they're working with startups on their financial projections, they will be the first ones to tell you that you will not get this right. And the point of this exercise of putting your financial projections together is not to get them right. Even for businesses who've been around a long time, unless you get to the point where literally you're so big that the fluctuations in your revenue are you know, a couple percentage, percentage points year over year, um, even then it's like the financial projections at that point just become an exercise in monotony, not necessarily, you know, any legitimate uh, thing that's so important to the business, either propelling forward or crumbling down to the ground. But at the early stages of your company, like at the pre-seed stages of your company, honestly, it's probably one of the most important things that you can do uh, for your early stage startup. And there's a couple of reasons why, and they're not really as obvious as you think they are. You know, I think inherently everybody thinks like, well, financial projections, yeah, I mean, you're going to want to have those. But the reasons people typically say that is for the platitudes that you normally hear in just business building in general. It's like, oh yeah, you want to have financial projections. You want to have a, you know, you want to have a business plan too. You know, like you should have a good two to three page business plan. Oh, you know, <laughs> not necessarily really that true today. Um, and that sentiment of why you need financial projections is also not true. Really, the reason why you need financial projections is two different reasons. One for you, because one of the mistakes that I see a lot of startup founders make really early on is they have this misplaced uh, idea of what their startup is going to do. And that misplaced idea usually gets shut down to where it really should be, which is on the ground, (laughs) as opposed to dreaming in the skies of what it's actually going to take to get you to where you want to go. You know, uh, I was joking with, uh, you know, one of our partners the other day, uh, they're a company that called Forecaster. They do financial uh, services and projections for startups. It's a great tool out there. No affiliate link or anything like that. If you want to check them out, you can search Forecaster without that last E. 
So F-O-R-E-C-A-S-T-R.com if you want to go check them out. But one of the things that we were joking about is the idea that most startups have for doing market projections on in terms of like how their startup is going to grow and the speed at which they're going to do that. A lot of it boils down to, well, you know, the market's $10 billion. If we can get 1% of that, we're going to be a $100 million company, whatever, right? That is not necessarily what investors are looking for. Do they want to know that you have a big market? Yeah, of course they want to know that you have a big market, right? The, the bigger the market, the bigger the opportunity, the more money involved. That's great for you. That's great for them. That's great for future investors, which means it's probably great for them. So, you know, obviously there's a reason there why you want to have, uh, you know, you want to have a big market. But saying that you're going to have, you know, 1% or 5% already get 10% of the market without actual plan or projections in place on how you're going to do that is really kind of meaningless. And that's really what investors want to see. What is your plan from a financial perspective in order to get to the point where you have captured one or two or 5% of that market? And that, that's what financial projections really do. It's really less about the financial projections and more about the forecasting of the activities in order to meet the financial uh, gain you will receive by capturing whatever portion of the market that you're going to be going after. That's really what the financial projections are for. Doing that is very difficult, though, if you didn't do the things you're supposed to really early on. Because one of the things that I've seen startup founders make the mistake of and that we are hard against at Launchpeer is relying at their early stages on solely doing things that don't scale early on. Um, you know, people, founders ask me sometimes like, hey, what marketing should I do early stages for my startup? And I usually tell them they should be doing two things. One, do something that doesn't scale or several things that don't scale. Um, you know, Things like holding signs outside of uh, sporting events or some gimmick marketing campaign or you know, going and talking to a bunch of, you know, a thousand people at some college campus event or whatever, you know, things that just inherently do not scale, right? There's a lot of different ways to do that. Usually it's dependent on the startup and the industry that they're in and all of that. One of those or several of those, because typically they're free or pretty close to it. But at the same time, they should be focusing on trying to find a marketing tactic that is scalable. And usually the two that I highly recommend to most founders is some sort of cold outreach and getting that system set up and running really well, or getting it as, running as well as you can, or paid ads. And the reason I'm proponents of those two is because they're both highly measurable, very scalable, and very measurable as well. And so the reason I say that they should match up things that don't scale with something that is scalable is because in order to create good financial projections, and by good, that's a very soft version of good, because even that is not perfect, right? But what that allows you to do is if you pick that thing that can scale, even if you do just a little bit of it as you're trying to go and you're doing other things that don't scale, it allows you to start putting numbers on paper of what this could become. So let me let me give you an example, right? Let's say you were only doing things that don't scale, okay? Whatever those things are, you can kind of make up in your head what those things would be. How are you going to walk into an investor meeting and say that you're going to be able to get two or three or 5% of that market? By doing that thing, because you can't show any evidence or proof that doing anything else is actually going to work or would work if you tried it. Then the investor in their head has to just play make-believe and think like, well, maybe the startup can get this marketing tactic to work with this other one because what they're doing right now absolutely will not scale. So now I'm not only taking a chance that this startup can get 
a bigger version of product market fit, but that they can get product market fit in general because they haven't even tried anything that would allow them to get market fit for their product. All the stuff they're doing right now is totally not scalable. And I definitely can't put that whatever activity they're doing in some sort of financial model that I'm very used to because the, the language of investors, and this was a really good point that Logan brought up, is like the language of investors is finance. That's the language that investors speak. Yes, they like talking about the ideas. They like talking about the other stuff too. But like the language that investors speak is finance. That's what they, the language they use every single day. And so when you're talking about things that don't scale, they can't plug those things into a spreadsheet and say, well, if we just did more of this, you know, 10x, 50x, 100x, if I gave you this money and you did that 10x more, it's going to result in this output. They can't do that. They just have to hope and use, you know, kind of these made up numbers and think like, well, maybe these other things would work. Now I'm going to have to take a flyer on this early stage startup. That might work if you're in Silicon Valley. That might work if you have a long track record of success. If, or if you have a big following on social media that you can tap into, most of the time, most of you listening to this and most of the founders in our program at Launchpeer do not have that luxury. So while you focus on things that don't scale, that you can't plug into a spreadsheet, can't talk to an investor about really, although they are going to want to know that you're doing that because it shows that you have grit, determination, hustle, all those things, that's great. They're going to want to see at least some semblance of something that could potentially scale. And that's where those two tactics that I talked about, there's a lot more than those two, but those are the ones that I recommend because they're pretty easy to set up. They're very scalable and they're the ones that we have the experience with the most and that our partners have the experience, most experience with. So let's use an example now of things that do scale. Let's say that you're a startup founder and you're a SaaS. You're a SaaS product. Very typical for SaaS is to do, especially if you're B2B or enterprise or anything like that, is to do some sort of cold outreach, okay? You set up a CRM, you set up some sales autom automation, whether it's with HubSpot or you do it with Outreach.io or any number of other sales automation tools. You prospect for leads and you put them into this outreach automation and then you measure how many people did I reach out to on a daily basis, how many people replied to me on a daily basis, what percentage of the people who replied end up booking a meeting with me to talk about my product, what percentage of people who book a meeting with me actually signs up for the product? Okay. If you can, are those numbers that you can plug into a spreadsheet? Yes. And let's say that because you're doing this alone, you're only able to reach out to maybe 20 people a day. Okay. You have maybe a 10% reply rate. Okay. So out of those 20 people a day for a whole week, that's 100, 20, you know, 10% reply. So that's 10 people a week. Of that 10% of people who reply, let's say you have four people end up, you know, booking a meeting with you and then two people sign up. So you're talking about for every hundred people you reach out to, two people are signing up for your product. Okay. Well, can an investor look at that and say to themselves, wait a minute, a typical SDR for a software company is able to reach out to two and a half or three X that number of people. If I gave you enough money to hire, you know, four full-time SDRs to work alongside you and maybe another account executive to, you know, take more meetings, that's a 5x increase in what you're currently doing, which means instead of just signing up two people a week, you'll be able to sign up 10. I can plug that into a spreadsheet and do some projections on what your startup would look like six months from now, a year from now, assuming all those numbers stayed the same, which honestly, some of those numbers are going to get better because you haven't even had time to like A-B test the copy, A-B test the subject lines. Uh, get people that are probably better at copy and sales than you are on the team, 
people who are only focused on sales and marketing, which means they're probably going to be much better at it than you. Um, all of those things, you can kind of get those things ramped up. An investor can look at that and say like, okay, wow, yeah. I mean, this I can put numbers to. This I'm more comfortable funding. And if you talk about the cost of doing that, it's actually pretty minimal. Cost of hiring SDRs, you know, you're talking about a salary of maybe 50K a year. Um, and an account executive, you're probably talking about 80K a year. More if you're talking about adding bonuses in too, which you probably will do that. That's a much safer bet for an early stage investor to kind of give you the money you need to scale that up versus hey, we like to hold up signs at college football games and hope that somebody on the camera sees us. That's hard to plug into a spreadsheet, right? Paid ads is the same way. If I spend you know, $100 this week on ads and that leads to you know, 100 clicks to our website, so a dollar per click, and then of those 100 clicks, we have a 5% conversion rate, so we get five people to sign up for our product. So we're spending $20 per conversion so we're losing money on the front end because we're only charging 10 bucks a month. But you know, the lifetime of our customer is projected to be six months. So they're going to stay around for six months. So I'm making $60 over the lifetime of them being there. Yes, I'm losing money in month one, but I'm cutting even in month two and I'm profitable in month three. An investor can plug that into their spreadsheet and say, okay, well, one, if instead of spending $100 a week, you were spending $1,000 a week, I can give you the money to do that. You know. I'm much more comfortable giving you a $50,000 check if I know exactly where it's going and why it's going there. It's pretty simple when you think about it, right? But when you're talking about it that way, like this is what's typically called like bottoms up financial projections, which is something that a lot of startup founders just ignore, don't even know how to do, don't think about really. This is much more of a prevalent thing in like, you know, that whole MLM sales funnel type marketing out there. Um, whether you agree with that type of environment or not, it doesn't matter. That thinking of doing bottoms up financial projections is has a lot of merit to it, especially when you're talking about going and talking to investors and trying to convince them, why should I give you money? What are you going to do with it? Show me from a financial perspective, which is the language I speak, show me how you're going to turn my money into more money and then turn the company valuation into a bigger valuation. Like give me real numbers and then I'll feel more comfortable investing. It doesn't mean you're going to get funding every single time, but man, how much further ahead of other startups are you going to be if you can walk into there and say, if you give us this money, this is what our convert, this is how many clicks that we could get based on our experiments we've run already. This is how many conversions we can get based on our experiments already. We think both of those percentages are going to go up slightly because we're going to get better at doing this, which means we're going to be able to turn your money into this in six months, in a year, in three years. And here's the team members we would need to do that. Let's plug those on our financials too. We're going to hire these three or four people that are going to help us level that up. So this is why we're using your money is because we need to hire five SDRs that are going to allow us to do all of this. That's where financial projections come in. That's why they're super important. So the answer to your question is, are financial projections important for pre-seed startups? Yeah, they're important for you to get a grasp on what, what am I capable of doing and what needs to be done in order for me to do that? That's one. And it, it usually forces you to have a more realistic view on what you can actually do in a certain period of time. But two, it also allows you to walk into conversations with investors and more confidently prove to them why you actually need their money and what you're going to get them with that money. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Launch Chat Podcast. If you have your own question you want to get answered on the show, just visit launchchat.com 
and send us your question either anonymously or let us know who you are so we can shout you out on the show. Also, leave us a rating or review on whatever podcast host you listen to us on. It definitely helps us spread the word about the podcast and we'll see you guys on the next episode.